Hey everybody, how's it going this evening? Welcome in. We're on episode number 14 of the Fused Relativity Podcast. I'm Chris. John, how are you doing this week? I'm I'm doing. I was gonna say something else, but I'm good. <laughs> good. Nice to hear. Nope. Already having technical difficulties this week. That sounds about right. Yeah. Do we have you, Kirk Cameron Crow? Nope. All right. I guess we will wait for him to get connected. How did your week go, John? You know, for only being a three-day work week for me, it it felt longer than my normal four-day work week. Yeah, sometimes those three weeks, they really, uh, you think they're going to be good, and then you get into it, and it's almost more work. Yeah. Uh, oh, hey. Hey. Kirk's back. Hey. Hey. I don't know what's going on. But, uh... Technical <laughs> difficulties to start the weekend. That's, you know, we're just, we're good at that. But, uh. I see you've changed yet again, Kirk Cameron Crow. What's the backstory on that one? Well, my name's Kirk, so, you know, just it's like a little word puzzle, you know. Kirk Cameron, Growing Pains, which that's a funny name. And his friend was Boner, which I can't believe they got away with. That was hilarious. But we'd always call it Growing Pains because it was so close. Um, and then, you know, you take the last name, Cameron Crow. Uh, director guy, almost famous, was like a rock journalist and stuff. So just... Uh, a, a famous Kirk sandwich, if you will. Okay, I can see that. <laughs> that okay was more judgmental. Oh, going robot again, Mister Crow. I I think you need to try unplugging and plugging back in or something because that that mic isn't working correctly. I was gonna say. The robots are uh, taking over Kirk. We talk about automation. Uh... Nope. Nope. Almost. Yeah, automation talk. We're good at that. Look at that. They must have heard us. They're, they're trying to take over. So how's it been with you and the new one? Oh, not too bad. Um, little Benjamin's doing good. Um, still not getting as much sleep as we want, so you know how that goes. It's just uh, babies are demanding, even though they don't move. Yeah. Well, and he. Plus, I was gonna say he's he he would have been what close to this time of the. For the original well, due date? Yeah, he was originally due um, like May 23rd, so theoretically he was only, you know, he should have only been a week and a half old instead of a month old. Yeah. Jeez, it's been a month. I know, we were talking about that the other day. It's like, dang, it's been a month already? Jeez. I honestly, I don't remember much of May. The fact that it's 
already June is just ridiculous. Yeah, I heard a, I read a story that, excuse me, I read a story the other day that said the Earth is uh, actually speeding up. It's spinning faster. Maybe that's got something to do with it. Yeah. I think it's more age. The older you get, the faster time seems to move when you don't want it to move. Like, and I'm sure you can appreciate this as well, but when you're at work, time just sits still. Like, three hours at, a good example would be last, or on Memorial Day, when I would normally have been working, I looked at the time and I was like, you know, I woke my wife up about the same time as I normally would. The next time I looked at the clock, it was 6 o'clock. Then it was 9 o'clock. And then it was 1. Whereas at work, it's like... It feels like every time I look at the clock, it's only been like 5 minutes. Well, as it's actually kind of funny because in my job... Uh, I actually look at the clock the other way because I'm usually working on time commits. And so most of the time, I'm always looking at the clock going, holy crap, it's already one. So it's an added perk. Yeah. Well, and unfortunately, you work a ton. Yes. It's just the nature of your job. Only like 50 hours a week. <laughs> See, and honestly, I, I've been thinking about it. I, I don't know remember I don't know if you remember, but the the first career I was gonna choose was aerospace engineer. Way back when when I was in calculus as a junior. Okay. Yeah, I guess you would have been in middle school. Somewhere around there. Yeah, no, I was I was going for aerospace engineering, and this week I, I've just been thinking about. It. I'm like, if it wasn't for school, I I just I hate school. Don't we all? Well, and and the learning part of it's not terrible. It's just it's the time commitment. Because even even doing um. So for those who aren't aware, in uh, radiology, there are multiple different paths. You kind of start as basic as an x-ray tech, and you can split off into um, many, many different avenues. Um, even just trying to do one of those, the, the time sink just... Eh. For reference, I have been... I was pre-med at UCCS, nursing at Pikes Peak, then fire science at Pikes Peak, then paramedicine at Pikes Peak, and then radiology. Well, also speaking of time sinks, uh, so as we talked about last week, I've been doing working on that wiffle ball. Yeah. And I have put way more time into that stupid thing than I care to admit. Uh, but everything takes time, especially with a 3D printer, because 
you know, it's not like I get a finished product in 10 minutes. It takes a couple hours to get each part done, but I also have a lot of time, especially late at night to work on this. And last week after the podcast, one of our listeners, my buddy, Brandon, uh, hit me up with some information on uh, kind of a revamped wiffle ball, which they call a blitz ball. And essentially it's a iso decahedron or some kind of decahedron. It's a ball that's not flat. It's, you know, it's got all the the edges on it, like a, a hedron. I don't know what you call it. Here, uh, it's better yeah. to show. <laughs> kind of like the inside of the of this wiffle ball. So I took that information and I started thinking about it. And this is my new design that I haven't been able to successfully print yet because I'm still learning how to design these things. But what I was thinking was when you were talking about fins last week, I was thinking, what if you took and put both mechanics of of that ball into each other and instead of fins i put a decahedron i'm calling it anyway inside of the wiffle ball so that now when the air comes in the holes it's going to deflect off of all the surfaces of that decahedron and hopefully give me some pretty solid movement out of that ball and this is one you designed? Yeah, this is my prototype that I designed. Well, it, and granted, a podcast is not necessarily the, the time to do critique, but um, the first thing I noticed, uh, and for everyone that's it's watching on the, uh, or listening after the fact, um, I'm sure Chris will put up some pictures, is... The cutout is, you've got very thin walls right, okay. al right along the, the, the bottom edge of these ovals. Not to mention the fact that I'm, I think these, these fins that you have, or blades that you have inside, may be a little too thin as well, and we can, we can see, yeah. Well, once again, I'm still kind of new yeah, to yeah, it, no. So. Oh, and that's why I'm trying to to help you out here, and to for anyone that's listening that wants to try and uh, make stuff themselves, it is uh, um, when you have thin walls like that. I'm actually surprised some of the the blades actually look like they they'll print, but the uh, let's try this. This is a, a nifty feature that Presa Slicer has. Is that it will, I can fix it through NetFab. But yeah, it's still the same thing of you're running into thin walls that won't print. And uh, I ran into the same issue with Blender because Blender doesn't exactly have a wall thickness like. Tinker, well, Tinkercad doesn't have it either, but yeah. Now that you've given me this idea, I think we can we can work with it. Perfect, because yeah, I was 
like I said, it <clears throat> it's a little bit of trial and error on the uh, on the Tinkercad, but uh, the the design I had before this was actually pretty good. I tried doing fins on that one, and it actually turned out like uh, far from PLA not being a very good uh, wiffle ball material. I actually got quite a bit of movement out of that ball because uh, I was throwing into a net just to keep it from breaking. And I ended up missing my net and hitting the fence because the ball took a nice left turn for me. So it's working the way that I want it to. I just have to be able to perfect it. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's the key to everything is just trial and error and that's why i like 3d printing so much is you can do fast revisions like if you uh where was i gonna go with this like if you went wanted to try and make this ball for yourself um the traditional way you'd have to get pay someone to make a mold and you know all of that, which would be very costly, and then if it turned out it just didn't work, then you'd have to go back and pay for another mold. And with three D printing, if it doesn't work, tweak it, try it again. That's how I ended yeah. up with so many of those Galaxy cups. When I I ordered some Pet G to <clears throat> see if that changes my outcome. I did it again. On <laughs> see if that changes the outcome on my uh, finished product. I don't know that it's going to change it too much, but it's worth a shot because the PLA, if it hits anything that's remotely tough, it just breaks. See, and that's why I wanted to try one myself because I think the, the key there is either going to be a good infill pattern or um thicker walls um yeah it's hard to say um how that would do just because of the the weight of it like there's there's some a fine line between the weight in the ball and how much movement you can get off of it so I think it'll just be worth playing around, and if you can help me with this um, design that I'm working on currently, we might be able to come up with a happy medium. Well, and that's that's the key thing about it is you're adding, you're going to be adding things to make the wind or the air move the ball outside of um, just the the holes. I know it's just which is how I'm assuming regular wiffle balls do it is they're light and any movement of the wind can drastically change their thing. If you're actively adding things that will change the pattern, I think being a little bit heavier isn't going to affect it all that much. And we're talking all the, I mean, your cur if, if that ball that you sent me printed, it would be, 49 grams total something like that yeah and just out of curiosity do you know off the top of your head how uh 
how heavy a regular wiffle ball is. Not a clue. <laughs> Uh, I could look it up. That's what I was doing too, but we don't have to. We don't have to spend all our time on uh, on the wiffle ball, but it's just something that I'm working on and something that I'm finding relatively exciting at this moment. Um, also, I'm getting a pretty good. Uh, I actually bought a wiffle ball just to play around with it, and uh, they're really fun. You get a lot of movement out of those things. And uh, you can throw some really fun pitches with it. Yeah, I would uh, I would imagine so. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting if we can get something working that uh, that can do some fun stuff. <clears throat> well, we we kind of talked about it, and we had a kind of a hodgepodge uh, show set up today because of. Uh, unfortunately, I wasn't ready, and John wasn't ready, and Kirk Cameron Crow is actively trying to get reconnected to the podcast, but he's having a hard time with it. So, what do you got going on this week, John? Something to talk about? Other than you took me back into my addiction. That is RimWorld. Um I was telling them before the podcast that there was a reason why I stopped playing. Um, the game came out, or I probably bought the game in 2017 and put close to 2,200 hours into it. Now, that's not entirely accurate because a lot of the times I just leave the game running overnight. Or not running, but minimized overnight, and that gets tracked into the, the hours. But still a game I have to... Uh, actively try and avoid when I get playing it again because it's so much fun. Yeah, that's a lot of hours. What's the uh remind me again, what's what's the Oh, what's the point of that game again? It it's it's Cowboys in space essentially. Just trying to survive. Oh, sounds like. Did we lose Chris too? No, I'm here. Oh, okay. You almost <laughs> roboted out like Kirk did. What is going on with the Discord this week? Uh, it's probably not happy because we don't pay for it. I doubt that, but you know. <laughs> or we just talk a lot of crap about robots. Yeah. Yeah. So anything new with uh, Ingenuity? Oh, yeah. As a matter of fact, Ingenuity is uh, getting ready for its seventh flight. Uh, they said that it's... I think they have it scheduled for tomorrow. They want to try and do the, the seventh flight. And they're going to try and send it to another uh, landing zone that they haven't seen uh only from the reconnaissance orbiter that they have which told them that it was a relatively safe place to send it and so they're trying to get it to go up and fly over there i think it's 350 feet is the distance of the flight and 
they didn't say whether or not they actually fixed the problems from last week, which was the the down camera losing feed, which caused it to kind of wig out a little bit. So it'll be curious to see if it actually makes it all the way over there. I would assume it's going to get over there no problem. Like I would, Im- I would imagine NASA would on the uh... yeah. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead, John. No, but I don't think NASA is gonna gonna let them let it fly unless they think it's gonna successfully go. Otherwise, what's you know they're not trying to crash this thing. Sorry about that. I I was like, why is the the desktop audio thing going and I can't hear anything? Guess I'm having audio issues too. All right, so I just muted my computer, you know. Yeah. As one does. Kirk's having problems still. Oh, oh hey. He might be muted. Oh. Right there, ta-da! Ta-da! I say a boom shakalaka was uh, heard around the the world. We have Kirk back. Well, what did I mean? What were we talking about? Well, we talked about my wiffle ball. And then we discussed briefly about the next helicopter flight on Mars. And then you popped back in. Okay. All right. So, we've been kind well, of, I... kind of just mixing it up a little bit because we didn't have the most preparation this week. So, we're just kind of chatting about things that we want to talk about. Okay. Well, uh, can I chime in with my? Because like I had an idea for. Uh, I'm stoked to see concerts again. Like just the Kirk Cameron Crow, like. It got me thinking about rock concerts and just sort of, I I miss that vibe of, you know, 14,000 people really excited to go see something. Um, You know what I mean? Just because everybody's so on their computers and blah, blah, blah. But just there's that live experience that I don't think you get other places. You know what I mean? Like, it's like if you're going to, uh, uh, like watching a stand-up special on your phone with earphones by yourself isn't going to be as fun as going out and being surrounded by like because the laughter is contagious and just that vibe you guys know what i'm talking about yeah well when we were talking about this i want to say you were with me when we went to the fear factory concert chris yeah we went to two of them yeah remember the one where we were just sitting there drinking beer at the table and the the heavy metal band was going and the the guys next to us were like why aren't you getting into this oh yeah <laughs> i think the guy oh it's cuz i was I... almost falling asleep that's what it was yeah we were <laughs> cuz the band was so terrible but the the people next to us were way into the band and they were trying to convince us that that was a good band and we were like yeah say no. what you Say what you want, but this band sucks. 
That's funny. Well, or like, if it was more of a like a mosh pity kind, like, could you see people getting amped up almost like they were stretching for a sporting event? You know what I mean? Could you see them getting amped oh, yeah. up? Oh, because we went <clears throat> the one that we went to. What's that tiny? Uh, the tiny. That was the Ogden. Was, was the, the tiny Ogden one? Yeah, and then the other one was World Arena. Not World Arena. Fillmore. No, it was the Fillmore, and that was, uh, there was two funny stories from that one. Um, I think that was the one they were playing with Slipknot, which was yeah. kind of fun. Which we left early because neither one of us really liked Slipknot at the time. And I'm 100% certain that it was the first time that me and you had gotten contact high at a concert. Cause, Quite possibly. Yeah. We weren't you're just surrounded by it. You had oh, no choice. It was yeah. Everywhere. <laughs> and we, we weren't pots we weren't pot smokers, so we had no idea. Yeah. But we ended <laughs> we ended up so like we ended up leaving the show and we go to this gas station and I bought like a bag of the biggest bag of chips and the biggest cookie that I could find. Right. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I think we spent like $25 or something stupid just buying like junk at the convenience store. And I think that's when it hit me. I was like, oh, crap. We're high. <laughs> uh, yeah, like, you know what? But at least you were, you uh, clearly you were not so high you didn't recognize it. So, uh huh. Oh, no, it was. But my favorite story uh, from this. And just for reference, I'm a little bit of a bigger dude. Um, John's, I don't know, a little taller than me, like 6'2", but he's no, I'm fairly... I was six flat, but back well, then I was, what, maybe 140? So he was a, a skinny, pole. A yeah, skinny, pole. <laughs> skinny little rail. And, and we're at this, this concert, and I can't, I think it was Chimera was the band, and the dude like really fun actually he split the uh the floor because the Fillmore is just one big floor basically and so he goes he goes i want a, a path down the middle of this floor and so everybody starts like crunching up to one side or the other and there was a basically like a four foot gap right down the middle of the floor mm-hmm and he was like, he's like, all right, on the count of three, I want to see the left side of the room kick the shit out of the right side of the room. <laughs> oh, and, God. <laughs> and he's like, you know, does his metal one, two, three. And, dude, the whole floor just erupted into this giant mosh pit. <laughs> and, of course, I look over and John's laying on the ground. And so I pick him up. And then I turn around and he's on the floor again. I'm like, oh my God, dude, we got to get out of here because you can't stay up. Granted, so you don't, and you don't want to be, it seems like the ground on a, at, around a mosh pit would be the, one of the worst places to be. You're just so kickable. <laughs> but isn't and, there like a creed? Isn't there like a mosh pit creed? Like once a dude's down, you don't, isn't it? I mean, yeah, there, there, there was people that were helping us get out of there. Okay, good. It seems yeah. like yeah, there's there'd be a caring and a, a, you know there'd be some weird assholes, but I, I imagine the majority because they're like they remember that you know they've been down so they get it. 
problem is, is when you have that big of a mosh pit, it's chaos. So everybody was kind of just like, what's going on? Just anarchy. Yeah, pretty much. But it was fun. And just thinking about that kind of makes me want to go back to a concert. So. Well, and what, because you're, and uh, what, okay, so just expanding on the concert thing, uh, throwing out this theory, because like, I've seen a lot of amazing, like, I don't know, like virtuoso, like Eric, to me, like Eric Clapton is like, any other instrument, he'd be wearing a tuxedo, like he's good. But I think seeing, just being in the presence and seeing it live, almost like the amount of good guitar I've absorbed, I think it sinks in. And then when I'm guitar playing, what do you think about that theory? Just by, you know, hearing it on CD is one thing, but actually absorbing it in person. I think there's a special, there's more of a connection. Am I going way hippie? Or are you guys yay, nay? No, I think you're spot on. Because remember our first concert, Chris? I Saliva, I think. Yeah, it was at the, uh, I can't remember the name of the place. That weird Oh, that was the Colorado Music Hall, yeah. I think, is what they called it. It was Saliva, Systematic, and Stereo Mud. That was a long time ago. <laughs> it was a long time ago. But I think both of us got into wanting to do guitar after that. Well, I did. Hey, I did too. <laughs> yes. Um... Maybe, um, I wasn't good. Uh, <laughs> I just stuck with it. Clearly me and Kirk, uh, recorded the intro and outro music for our podcast, but, um, we're still waiting though. We're trying to do, I still want to do a 3d printed guitar. So whenever you want to get that started, let's do it. Uh, oh, that's right. I was going to try and do a fiddle first. Oh, fiddle? Nice. That's very Colorado. Because <laughs> like that's, I think that's why I bought. That's why I, during the pandemic I got a Dobro, just because I'd been in Colorado for five years and I hadn't grown a beard. So like it was just like it was. If look, if you're not growing a beard, you got to get some sort of bluegrass instrument. I'm like, all right, all right, all right, Colorado. <laughs> so Kirk, violin. Since, oh, same, same. Yeah. But since we're talking about it, uh, you were telling me that you've been doing a couple open mics these last couple weeks. Yeah, I checked out a couple uh, on the sort of, I guess I'm on the west side, I guess, um, like a like Wheat Ridge area. Um, and there's a lot of comics. Like one of the shows, I swear, had about 30 comics signed up. So it was just a lot of people doing it. So, um, And I had, my, I had a fun one. Uh, the last time, and it was only there's only three people. That's how, but I connected with those three people. Like it's like right, I only have two people now, so three people. I was like, whoa, you guys aren't you guys aren't Chris and John. But uh, no, it, it was just fun. It was fun just to because like the kid in front of me, he did like this. He did this couple school shooting jokes, and he just did stuff, and it was like this. It, it wasn't landing, and I was just like, it was like a dark TED talk. You know what I mean? Where it's just like, ugh. And I was like, hey, I got jokes. And they seem to, I actually go, do you guys want to go to Joke Town with me? And the three people were like, yay. So it was like, cool. And I don't know, that was fun. 
well, that's cool. It must be nice to get up and do some comedy in front of people again. Yeah, just, um, yeah, a little, just the little connections and I don't know, just, I don't know. It's just, it's fun. People are more fun in person. That's what I, that's what people interact with people and, and they're a lot more polite uh, when you can see them. So it's like people are nicer when they get away from their computers, which is an odd thing to say while recording a podcast on uh, a computer. So fuck you guys. I, I, I do like that. People are more fun in person. <laughs> Some, <laughs> most yeah, people they're are not more fun in person. But they, they're just more engaged. You know what I mean? They might actually—I don't know. There's, they're <laughs> hopefully they're not staring at another device in front of you, and then you know you can have a conversation. I think that I don't know. Just that—that that—that's what I think I missing about concerts. Really, just kind of bopping around a sea of people that are. You know what I mean? Like you go to like a a concert like where everybody likes this, or like just a jam band. It's just like it's not a lot of frat boy douchebags who are looking to pound people for spilling their beer. You know what I mean? Like it's just there's the low percent. It's nice. I like the places that there's a low percentage of asshole. I think most people would one up that statement. So, did you have anything this week for your corner, Kirk? Should we go uh, check it out and see what's going on over there? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I did have something. I haven't changed anything again. I'm going to switch over, and then I'll be right back. Okay. <laughs> We're going to have to get on John, because that cheese has got to be really moldy by now. Yeah, and I don't know that. Honestly, that goose just has the stare of a killer. It just gives me the creep. I don't. I don't trust it. Like it's just, you know, like misery with Cassie Bates. Like that's what. It, like it's gonna bash your ankles with sledgehammers. Well, I, okay. yeah, geese are well, jerks. <laughs> but anyway, so okay, so here's the thing. I, uh, you guys, you know TED Talks, right? You know what TED Talks are. Yep. Okay, so I stumbled upon something. They're tr they're reaching out because it's ever competitive to get you know the younger and younger people. Like they're not getting educated. So I stumbled onto something, and it's uh, it's toddler TED talks. So it's so it's it's for by toddlers for toddlers TED talks. Um, so I wrote down the transcript because I didn't. I'm not smart with technology. So here's the transcript. So I'll, I'll read. So I'm an adult, but this is a toddler. So do you guys get the premise? Got it. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. So the first one here is uh, doggies. Sometimes they bite you. Sometimes you bite them. Doggies pretend they outrank you, but they do not. Those people like you better because they made you. So that's just a little inspiration, just a little TED talk about doggies. I, I like it. <laughs> Hold your applause to the end. And yes. then, uh, all right, well, yeah, how about this? Oh, yeah, this is, okay, this TED talk. This is, this is a good one. Uh, naps. Why do we keep fighting them? My, my, my chart clearly shows 
of children napping aren't throwing a tantrum. But 100% of tantrum throwers aren't napping. Naps are good. Naps are great. Just don't allow mom or dad to get one. Not on my watch. <laughs> Truth. Yeah. <laughs> Truth. Come, right, come on, right? It's somehow they get to sleep, but you don't. Somehow they've, it's like some, uh, I don't know, torture treatment. That's like, this is military stuff. They're going to start blasting, uh, you know, Pantera records 24 hours a day to drive you out even more, right? If you wanted to be amused, Kirk, just watch a, a couple with a newborn just to see how goofy and, like, sleep-deprived. They're, like, punch-drunk. You're, like, it's almost like you're drunk, but you're not because you're just not getting the sleep, right? It's, I mean, you get some sleep, but it's not what you're used to, and you are tired. Okay. Well, I, I, okay. How about this one? This one. <laughs> so the next TED Talk one is uh, okay. That was the day I had to admit to myself, I am a thumb sucking addict. You know, I, I needed help. You know, I tried to use the patch. I almost starved. You know, I tried to ease myself off with the pacifier. I'd always go back to the thumb. You know, either righty, lefty, it didn't matter. I was just addicted. You know. Who has two thumbs and loves to suck them? This guy. My <laughs> thumbs are pointed at me. My thumbs are pointed at me, by the way, in case you didn't know. You know I, I never got picked up hitchhiking. Because I couldn't, they couldn't see. I was, all right. So. <laughs> all right, two, two more, two more, and then we can move on. But, okay, so another... Another TED Talk toddler. TED Talk is uh, cookies? Where? I want a cookie right now. I need a cookie right now. Spinning, slobbering tantrum ensues. And then I have parentheses 45 minutes later. So I'm going to throw a tantrum for 45 minutes. So just hold on. You guys haven't heard enough of that. Okay. Yeah, anyway. Yeah, okay. that's oddly accurate, Kirk. Okay. 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 Last one. I we're going in a little blue, but no. Uh, yes, I agree. Poopy does go in the potty, but what happens if I fall in the potty? Am I sucked down the potty with the poopy to the land of poopy? They probably won't even let me in because I don't have my passport. Baba, boom! Come on, <laughs> come on. Passport. That's the password. Papers, okay. the papers weren't in order in my passport. That's why they didn't let me into poopy land. John, that seems like the perfect segue to your your finally new addition to Kirk's Corner. Yeah, yeah. No, no. <sighs> I like passport, Kirk. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And actually, that was one of my jobs. I, I worked for a couple months at a call. It was, you would call in and have questions about your passport. So for a while, I was a really expert about, no, you need the 1070. And it's, it would kill, people would literally, they would be at the airport at a flight. And like, they took the time to grab their tickets and grab their passport, but not check to see if they were valid. And then get to the airport on this international flight and go, you're expired. You can't go. And it was like, oh, it was heart. It was a heartbreaking kind of kick in the nuts of like, oh, there's nothing anybody can do. It sucks. 
the uh, <clears throat> sorry I got distracted and baby caught my attention. Do you guys have passports? I do not. I do not either. They only say I swear it's like it's not. I, I want to say it's like thirty-five or forty percent. It's not a high percentage of people that actually have their passports. You're not alone. You're the majority, I believe. Yeah, the the last time we would have needed them would have been when we went to Mexico on vacation back when we were and yet, and working there. If you're under a certain age, they go, yeah, they're kids. They don't need like. Yeah, we if were. I, if I remember. nice. Yeah. Under twelve, because I was only in sixth grade, so. I don't really like to leave my little area, so. <laughs> I just, yeah. My yeah, leaving my neighborhood is asking a lot. So leaving the country is no, not going to happen. Yep. Pretty Speaking much. of toddlers and tantrums, Chris, has yours done anything remarkably funny while throwing one? Not particularly. She's. She doesn't tantrum very often, but when she does, she usually pulls the regular old just fall on the ground kind of thing. So Is it just sort of a flailing, just kind of legs and just kind of meh? Yeah, pretty much. Well, see, so my youngest, um, this was, it was a couple of years ago, but she threw a tantrum and... Out of nowhere, we were trying to stop her from running into her room, because that's what she always does, is gets upset, runs into her room, and hides. And we were trying to stop her, because we didn't want her, A, to run into her room, because it was late, and we were just trying to calm her down. She threw her blanket into the air and tried to dive between our legs <sighs> to get back to her room. She she tried to Macaulay cock in it. Yeah, it was it was the funniest thing, because me and my wife just sat there laughing, and which only pissed her off more because she thought we were laughing at her. Right. How old is she? Uh, she's seven now. She was probably three or four when she did this. All right, you know what? That's all right. That's acceptable. That seems like a three-year-old thing. I support it. It was just the the. Hey, I'm gonna. Watch the blanket and tried to run away. Uh, I was like, "What is going on?" You had like a decoy. She had look over. It's like a magic trick. Yeah. yeah. The uh, that's that's the old trickaroo. The old look look over here, and I'll yeah, look over. You know, I wasn't expecting a three year old to try and pull it on me. You try to get a yeah. If you get flim flammed by a three year old, you're just not paying attention. Yeah. <laughs> what happened? I lost eighty grand. What my mortgage has got? Yeah, she's a huckster. She really oh, open a coin wearing a suit. She was good. Well, I think we can uh, segue out of Kirk's corner here. That goose is staring at me funny. <laughs> Isn't it? I'm telling you, the it's like you're gonna have nightmares. You're gonna have like the goose is after. It's gonna say like, "Oh, you had pate one time." Like, no, I didn't. Honest goose, I, didn't. I never had pate. 
And it's I, goose liver. Speaking of goose liver, that's a weird uh, segue. <laughs> yeah, I really want to go. I was drinking beer with a goose. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> it actually worked into you had mentioned uh, that you sent over to me the story about the JBS meatpacking plants and how they got attacked by ransomware. Another history, American history. Oh, he's roboting again. Yes. He's robot. Okay, we lost Kirk again. Well, we haven't lost him. He's still trying. Well, all I hear is like, yeah, ro robot noise. Hey, noise. Anyway, the JBS meatpacking plant that deals most of America's packaged meat got attacked by ransomware and had to shut down. And that ties into what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks with like the Colonial Pipeline and cybersecurity. These kind of things have the potential to wreck a lot of uh, the supply chain. Without oh, my back, you're back. Okay, go. I didn't, John. Okay. I didn't. Oh, it's a cool. I'm back. Comments, John. Oh, I was going to. is yours, John. Oh, I was going to say I I didn't quite hear what Kirk said, uh, but I would assume that I'm going to look it up here. Uh, once again, like I was saying before, they got in through antiquated systems. Well, right, what... and all the, I think it, it was ironic because, like, it was they shut the gas uh, got shut down, and then the meat supply. And usually, it's the other way around because if you stop eating all that meat, usually there's less gas. What? But what, uh, boom. What caught my eye about <laughs> about the uh, story was that they're now pushing um, at least some, you know, some parts of government are trying to push and make it so that companies that are critical to supply lines like meat, gas, you know, whatever it might be, that they are... It's like water, electricity, power. Yeah. yeah. Oh. They're trying to make it so that they those companies have to put security measures in place so that these kind of attacks don't happen. It's it's an interesting perspective into, you know, how can you control it, and then how do you control companies' ability to control it? Well, and it's like we just need more. How, John? How can we throw up the bat signal to all the computer nerds, where it's like, hey, here's your time to shine. This well, is the new battlefront is not soldiers with tanks and guns like it's people who can program and can you know it seems like eventually too uh, america's got to start proactively uh attacking people just to, to show their strength a little bit flex their muscle it just seems like we just keep getting hit and we haven't really i'm sure we've done some but it, it appears like we're on our back foot or something 
Well, not exactly. Um, that's what all the white hat stuff is. White hat, black hat. One of the two. I think it's white hat. It's hackers and programmers that try and get backdoors into software and then inform the companies of said backdoors and vulnerabilities. Um, if they, it didn't, in the report I read, or just quickly skim through, it didn't say how it was targeted. And I'm, I don't think they ever said how the pipeline one was targeted either. And like I said, if I had to guess, it was either um, someone's clicking on stuff they're not supposed to email-wise, so, or it's antiquated. Well, you know, can, can I, okay, can, can I just have, okay, three questions, just, can I, um, the motivation for the hackers, is it A, just, it's the challenge of it, and they like to, to pick a puzzle, is it financially motivated, like they're getting, like, Bitcoin out of it, or is it, like, is it politically motivated? Like, would you, would you have a, out of those three, is there one that it's all of the, the majority? Above. Yeah, it's probably all, all of the ability. All of because there's, there is such thing called bug bounties, where it does kind of apply to this, but where companies will pay people to um, find bugs in their software. Um, well, and it sounds like Bitcoin to me, almost at a certain point, it's almost like like pirate booty. It's like a way to deal with people that you can't trace it, so it's sketchy. Well, I, and that that's so the companies that are willing to pay to have, because a lot of these people, I'm assuming, I don't know very much about this this sector of the internet, um, but from the brief glimpses I've seen over the years, it seems like. <clears throat> There are the the truly good motivated that will give the information to the company saying, here's what you got, hoping for a reward, not expecting one. You have the group that's expecting one. Almost like a vig vigilante, like a just kind of for the good of the, for the practice. Hey, I found a, a wormhole. I got in, so you should like putty yeah. it up. And most companies will pay when these vulnerabilities are found. Now, there are some that don't. And... That's when you're dealing with this type of stuff, it's easy to sell, hey, here's the here's a problem, and they you know, you get your money, but then you know, there's people that uh will pay you even more that aren't affiliated with the company, such as the ransomware hackers. If I had to guess, most of the places that were targeted or I not I wouldn't guess, but I would imagine that a lot of the stuff was gotten um, from people just inside or, you know, that have been able to insider get in Insider information. Well, like, not insider okay. information, but, like, getting into a place isn't necessarily hard if you can. Not Or doing something is way worse. Well, and it seems to... like they, they they flip the computer programmers pretty quick or something. They burn them out. Like, you know, they're in their young 20s when they're young and they can work 14 hours and they almost like put them out to pasture like a greyhound, it seems. So it's like, the, it's almost like a, uh, like a politician who then becomes a lobbyist or something. It seems like somebody who did it for five years and then would then go, they know how best to hack or infect well, them because they know the system. Anyone who builds up a system, especially if it's, 
a decent sized company and they have just one team that's building up the infrastructure, if they're any good, they're going to know at least some of the ways to get in. And in fact, they probably back doors is what they would call them. Yeah. Sort of ways to get in. You're, you're also looking at a good example would be just, I don't want to say it's, it's, you know, related to a certain age group, but especially with older companies, there's definitely a lax in security when it comes to certain things like, um, uh, just a generation going, ah, oh, these, these nerds don't know what they're talking about. Well, it's, just, they, it's just sort of like the military mentality of needing the, the tanks when it's like, no, you need more, you need more well, cyber protection. It's not just that. It's, you know, having everyone know the computer login and never changing it. You know, stuff like that where there is very limited security and that security is widely available. Like if you have a company, well, well, like I worked at uh, waste, I, I work with waste management for a bit, and like the, I would, you know, you get emails. You can anybody can email you, but and then they had these things like, look, these are these are people phishing, but occasionally you would still click on something because it looked like a, hey, click on this Google Calendar link to see when the meeting is, and then it was like, oh, that was actually a phishing practice. So it's like it's amazing how much time and energy they make it to look so familiar and similar where it's like they they polish it up where it's like it looks legit just the same thing with flyers or the same thing it's another form of advertisement it seems that's just gotten really glossy and good yeah i mean that's that's more not a more complicated way of doing it but you know finding a if a company only has like one password and one login and you find someone who was recently fired and offer them you know money for that login and password that's usually a much easier route of getting into the the system. Hmm. In, I can see that. Right. Well, and just, I think, yeah, the corporations, they don't have the same loyalty back in the day. Like somebody works there for a while. So it seems like it'd be easier for somebody to be offended and mad and want to seek revenge. You know, that seems like a, if, if you treat people poorly, but it seems like if you, if you treat them right, then that would decrease the amount of attacks you're getting if you would just treat your employees nicer. But that's that's ludicrous. <laughs> the whole They're not going to do that. The whole thing makes my brain hurt just because it seems too easy and there's no real good way to stop it at this point. So, well, we just, you know, have to I worry about an, our meat. I can give an example that is outdated because it's it's no longer in practice. Um, way, way back when in the hospital that I work at, the, there used to be a universal login for every computer. Everyone knew it. You had your, your personal login, but then there was a universal one. And, uh, there was nothing stopping anyone from, you know, that, that universal login and password never changed for quite a while until they came in i think after the first hacking or a uh, successful hack into the system that they went through and got rid of all the universals and everyone had to have their own personal 
I always hated that, like in a job, like I'm, I, there's only so much memory space I have for passwords and there's like three that I use. So if you keep making me switch them, it's just event, I'm going to, it's, uh, you know, like you, you lock yourself out because you can't remember what password you use. And then like, that's, that's what's keeping you from working. It's, it's annoying. I would agree with you, but I also see the flip side to it. Well, I don't on that necessarily, but it does make some resemblance of sense. But it gets to the point where the safest way of keeping all your passwords secure would be writing them down. And then you just have a post-it note with your, yeah. your login information stuck to your computer. People are going to do that. If, if, well, if it's not already loaded up into it, they're like, oh, this is horrible. I'm not going to type it in every time. <laughs> just save it. Well, see, and, and my workaround to that has been, you know, just changing a letter or a number until that I ran out of decent letters and numbers. And then I went to just simple, dumb, simple uh you know, like yeah, my, my 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 brain can absorb like three or four. I don't know. Maybe I'm I'm stuck in my ways in fuddy duddy, but I'm like it's just hard. Like, it's uh, it just seems like a stupid thing, a new random thing to have to memorize. Just uh, let me use the three that are ingrained. I'll just keep rotating them. <laughs> yeah. Well, I I mean I'm guilty of it too. I had two passwords that I used for everything until shit started getting hacked. And then I started using the uh, Google's own password thing. Which is fine, uh, except for sometimes they're too long and hard and I would never remember it, so. Yeah, that, that does happen. And then I have to go through the whole process of resetting it. That's weird, like computers, worrying up. about computers. I don't know, computers getting hacked. I was a comedian. I used to worry about comedians getting hacked. But uh boom. Okay. Just, you know, you get to, you don't hear the I just the word hacked isn't thrown around much, so that kind of stuck in my brain craw. The only thing that that makes me, you know, angry is when you do go to reset your password and then you go through it and then they're like, all right, type your new password. And then you use your, you type in your old, your password. And it's like, you can't use your old password. Well, damn oh, it. Right. <laughs> yep. Don't boss me around password lady. <laughs> I don't know why she's lady. <laughs> so I, I just noticed something. I, it's completely off topic of, of what we're talking about. Um, but SpaceX is doing a mission tonight. Nice. I know they sent up some more Starlink satellites last week. And the CRS mission a couple days ago. Oh, yeah, going to the ISS. Yeah. And SpaceX is not on Twitch. Oh, wait, yeah, they are. Maybe not. That's, that's definitely not SpaceX. <laughs> I really like seeing the, uh, watching the rocket launches, which I hadn't really done until now. Well, I was going to say, that I'll put the link in chat for the people that... Oop, that's... Did you guys used to blast rocket, like, you know, model rockets off with the uh, those, those cartridges? Oh, yeah. 
We used to do that all the time. We even had a, a field where we could do it. Yep. <clears throat> I like to put the big motors in the small rockets to see how much they would blow up. I like, I remember I did one where it, and the, uh, it didn't detach and the parachute didn't launch. So it just, it was like this blue, neat, like, and it just buried itself in the ground. It was just thunk. I was like, <laughs> oh man, <laughs> it really drove itself in there. It's, actually... it's even worse when oh. you have to spend all that time to build it. And then the parachute doesn't come out and you're just like, well, that was a waste of time. It's actually kind of funny. Cause I was a recently a, like a week or so ago found a channel that was talking about building these massive rockets just using those same store-bought engines it, it's it's crazy like his was they were trying to land it like um spacex not in orbit they weren't trying to... <laughs> and yeah it's the amount of stuff that's gone on with model rockets lately in the last few years is is mind-boggling i guess just like every other technology it just keeps getting better stronger faster you know just just like everything else yeah but i will have to post that link in the in the twitch so i can go in and watch it tonight because i like watching those rockets go up yeah i've got it right here and uh kirk we're getting to the point where I'm going to have to <clears throat> wrap it up here, but I know you had an off topic this week that was, I read the story. It was pretty cool. Do you want to explain it? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, so basically because of the pandemic, nobody was flying to Australia because they weren't, they locked it down and they were keeping everybody out. So the planes that would go back and forth, they stored in the Mojave uh, desert in uh, California. And what they're having a problem was that the rattlesnakes I guess like the heat of the tire and the brakes, so they would kind of curl themselves up in there. So the Australian engineers devised the what they called a, a wheel whacker, wheel whacker, and uh, basically it was a broom handle. And so military people are just hitting snakes with uh, broom handles to chase them off. And uh, first of all, it's funny because the Australian people like they're they call them feisty rattlers just because in Australia they have like 23 of the most venomous, deadliest snakes. And we have like two over here. So they're just kind of like, yeah, we're used to that. Stuff's supposed to kill you. Um, I was say, they had then... a whole war against emus. Wouldn't the emus help out? No, the emus. No, that they, rattles... they had a war against the emus where they sent the military after them. <laughs> have you not heard of that? No. Why would you chase an emu? <clears throat> yeah, I hadn't heard that either. The emus ganged up on him. The e the emu population was was running wild. Yes, I will. After that, this is a, a video called from uh, Oversimplified. I'll put it in the link, and I'll send you to a link too. Uh, but it's about the emu war in uh, in Australia. Okay, well, I'll watch that. Okay, so while you're doing that, uh, another two quick jokes. Uh, wheel whacker, completely different than uh, Chris in high school in Driver Ed. As, uh, the wheel whacker is a completely different reference. 
Um, and then when reached for comments, Samuel L. Jackson uh, said, uh, any motherfucking thing you got to do to keep motherfucking snakes off the motherfucking plane, <laughs> I fully support. <laughs> I was like, come on, creepy. Come on, that if if a rattlesnake was on your airplane, you would not be a happy man. It's funny you went to that story. I was actually talking about the rat that retired from sniffing landmines. Oh, the other one. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you should. I sent two, so I didn't know which one you're. But yeah, that was, it was basically, it's fun. It's like a rat. It's almost like a, like Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible. Like he's like strapped this little thing and then rats would uh, go run across fields to check for landmines. And this thing in five years, he discovered 71 landmines in, I think it was Vietnam or Cambodia. Cambodia. One of those. Cambodia, Cambodia. So, but in like, in five years, he discovered 71 things. So it was just a really cool uh story well yeah because for a rat you know to make it 71 landmines in five years and not explode that's pretty uh impressive yeah that's a good batting average you know what i mean like that's a good uh because of all the jobs that i expect you a person or thing to retire from landmine finder is not that's probably not the, you know, most retired right. from job. Well, Especially for a rat. It's, it's not bad, but after five years of service, he said he's uh, he's looking forward to retiring. Uh, he said he wanted to spend more time with his rat wife and eating their children. Oh. Um, I mean, it's true, yes, but... The, uh, the, the, the position has already received 400 applications, mainly recent, recent college grads. Uh, it sounds better than working at the Amazon warehouse. Okay. <laughs> um, and uh, for for the uh, for his service for five years, he was awarded a gold-plated garbage can. He's, he's a rat. Okay. Um, uh, and, and when reached for comment, I'm no hero. I'm just going, I'm doing my part to make up for the Black Death. Our bad, guys. <laughs> our bad. We good now, humans? We good? Okay. Um, the, black, the Black Plague, right? Yeah. That's okay. <laughs> oh, just and the last one. He received uh, the rat received Britain's highest animal honors. One of the highest animal honors. First of all, I think the highest animal honor is not us not eating them. It's, it's got to be <laughs> number one. If you've hit that level, you're pretty stoked. So, rat able to survive finding landmines that's pretty uh pretty compelling stuff well done rat well done yeah. you know I mean? little little clap for you so well, i think with that uh i'm gonna wrap this up i gotta once again get back to my newborn benjamin is calling my name he's only do you ever wake old. do you ever wake him up screaming crying <laughs> just to twist it like how do you like it do you ever have you ever thought of that it sounds like a you know nice challenge you know run it by tiffany first uh (laughs) or she'll get (laughs) well but if i do that we'll never know kirk yeah she'll probably nix that pretty quick
So everybody, uh, thanks for hanging out tonight. I uh, I know we had a little disjointed show and Kirk kept dropping out and roboting, but technological difficulties difficulties aside, we will be back next week. Uh, Kirk Cameron Crow, thanks for joining us. You're welcome, and I will try. We'll try not to robot. I, I hope I, I have all the roboting out of my system, so <laughs> next week will be smooth. John, a pleasure as always. Thanks for the information. Yeah, and uh, to furthermore, SpaceX will be launching in about eight minutes, so I'll put the link in again just in case. Awesome. I will be That's there. exactly where I'm going after this. <laughs> And John, let's work on that wiffle ball. Yes. Give me some pointers so I can get it, uh, have a working uh, thing to put up on the podcast soon. Sounds good. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you all next week. Yeah, have a good rest of your night.